Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. How you doing today? How's everybody doing today? Good. Hey, listen, uh, wanted to tell you real quick. Um, just wanted to update you on some things before I begin about the, uh, about the fire and uh, let you guys know. Um, I have met with and dealt with more fire investigators uh, from the state and fire marshals from the state. Um, uh, and I don't ever want to meet with them ever again. <laughs> Uh, they came in with guns and handcuffs, and I was like, okay, well, this is going to get interesting. Uh, in all honesty, in all transparency, they are fantastic people. Uh, we don't, I, I, I realize this, we do not appreciate the serve, service that, uh, I know that we do honor our first responders. We don't appreciate the service that they provide for our communities. Uh, and I am blown away by the knowledge and the understanding that they have, and I am thankful that they are serving um, and it's amazing because not only are they uh, very thorough, they were also very, very encouraging, uh, which was, a, 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 it was an incredible thing to have. And so um, anyway, uh, Lynn, do you have that picture? I think we discussed having a picture up here before. We got some pictures. That is what it looked like. Lynn, was that, they were taking them, they were taking them down. So that would have been Thursday? That's Thursday here. Now, listen, Lynn and I did no work between here and then. We didn't do anything. We just kind of hung out and watched TV at the house. Right, Lynn? No, no. I do want to say something right now, and that's Thursday, and then is that the only picture we have? Okay, cool. That's Thursday. They took all the things down here, and I'm going to say something. This place has never been cleaner, so don't mess it up. (laughs) Anyway, um, I do want to say something that's going to make him mad, but uh, James over here, James? Raise your hand, James. There you go. James worked his tail off to get this sanctuary and everything ready with Dan. Dan, Dan's over here. James has been an incredible person this week. Not only has he, he was able, he's, James is is a tech guy. He was able to pull video for me for the, for the investigators. And he did it. And he's got a full-time, a very demanding full-time job. But when I would text him, he would immediately start sending things, uh, literally within the hour. And so James... We love you and we appreciate you, dude. We really do, don't we? We do. We do. We do. <clears throat> so I'm thankful for those that stopped by uh, to help, and I'm thankful for, for that big time. So we're in phase uh, for the school. I'll just update you. We're in phase one right now. Phase one is that the school is going to be meeting in building one and building three and not building two. Uh, it was funny the other day, one of the staff members said, Hey, how do we know uh, when, when the bell goes off? And he said, Pam is going to turn around and say, class change, because everybody's so close, they're going to know immediately. So anyway, <clears throat> but it's going to be kind of cramped. Uh, if you're looking for myself or Lynn or Jonathan, I believe we've got the plan where Jonathan is going into a closet back in the back in his little room. Lynn is going to be back here, and I have decided I'm going in the worship, the worship room. That's going to be my office for the next couple of weeks back in the back. So... Uh, anyway, so that'll be interesting. It's going to be a fun little adventurous time. So, uh, but I do ask you to continue to pray for the school and pray for uh, the construction. 
I will give a little shout out, and I'll probably keep doing this, but um, if, if I'm telling y'all, Penco is right down the street here. It's locally owned by a East Coweta High School graduate uh, who some, most of y'all, a lot of y'all know Joey uh, Pendleton, and he is a good and godly man, um, and he is uh, walking us through this process and is incredible. And I want to tell you guys, he is an incredible person. Um, and he is, um, he doesn't say this, he doesn't say this, but uh, every job that he does, uh, he gives back 10% to a local ministry, local church, local things. And so, and just to give you guys an idea, when he did the thing, the flood out front, um, uh, our cost should have been about 110 to 130,000, and it was 70. He donated uh, nearly 50,000 of his work, employees, and stuff for our, for our church. He loves this place. He loves our, the people here. He knows a lot of the people here, and he's very vested. So anyway, but enough about all that. Um, we are going to, and by the way, we did have new tiles put in. Yes, we know there's a few tiles like that one, and there's one back there in the back that possibly may hit. Miss Lila in the head if it falls, but I don't think it's going to fall, Lila, so you stay right there, okay? But it's over here to the left. Okay, If I see it falling, I'll yell jump, and Josh, you jump up and catch it, okay? Um, but anyway, you know, when you put these things in, they settle a little bit, and when they settle, they've got the, the machine right out there. They're going to bring it back in tomorrow and raise them back up, and they're going to correct all the little settling issues. So anyway, but uh, we also no longer have a big cluster here in the top. The, that's gone. Yes. The praise team's clapping because they hated it. So it looks, really, it looks really clean and nice in here. So anyway, but we didn't come here for all of that. We came here to learn about the Word of God, and so I want you to turn to John chapter 18. John chapter 18. Now, as you're turning there, I want to remind you that the book of John is separated into two parts. The first part is the book of signs. It's all the things that, that Jesus did through his ministry. And then the last part is John 13 through, uh, 13 through 21. And that is the book of glory. Uh, it's his giving his life over for us and defeating death. So the main goal of the book is simply this. And here it is found in John chapter 20, verse 31. It says, but these are written so that you may continue to what? Believe. So that you may continue to believe that Jesus is Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing in him, you will have life. I want to remind you again, that's not just eternal life. It's life here and now. And I want to tell you something. Today's message, I hope, gives you encouragement for life here and now because we see Jesus in a light that, that is an encouragement to me and I hope it's encouragement to you. It says, how do we have life? We have life by the power of his name. Saying that, let's jump right in. John 18, starting in verse 1. It says, After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered the grove of olive trees. Judas the betrayer knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons. And every time I read that, now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, I always think of, uh, I always think of Shrek. Why? I don't know. But every, you know what I'm saying? When they're coming to get Shrek and that thing, I don't know why. I just think of Shrek and Donkey. So anyway, that is the spiritual depth of your pastor. So here we are. They arrived at the olive grove. 
Jesus fully realized uh, all that was going to happen to him, and he stopped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for, he asked. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back and fell to the ground. Once more, he asked them, who are you looking for? And again, they replied, Jesus the Nazarene. I told you, I am he, Jesus said. And since I am the one you want, let these, soul, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement, which said, I did not lose a single one of those you have given me. And we saw that in the prayer just before. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into his sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? Just as a note in another text, we know that Jesus not only told him to put his sword up, he also took the ear and healed him on the spot. So the soldiers, their commanding officers, um, and the temple guards arrested Jesus and tied him up. First they took him to Annas, the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest at the time. Caiaphas was the one who had told the other Jewish leaders, it's better, um, it's better that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus, as did another of the disciples. That other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, so he was allowed to enter the high priest's courts with, uh, courtyard with Peter, just as, uh, with Jesus. Just as a side note, most theologians believe that that other disciple was John, who's writing this book. Peter had to stay uh, outside the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching at the gate, and she let Peter in. The woman asked Peter, you're not the one, one of the man's disciples, are you? And Peter said, no, I'm not. Because it was cold, the household servants and guards had made a charcoal fire. They stood around it, warming themselves, and Peter stood with them, warming himself. Inside, the high priest began um, asking Jesus about his followers and what he had been teaching them. And Jesus replied, everyone knows what I teach. I have preached regularly in the synagogues and the temple where the people, uh, people gather. I have not spoken in secret. Why are you asking me this question? Ask those who heard me. They know what I said. Then one of the temple guards standing nearby slapped Jesus across the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? Jesus replied, if I said anything wrong, you must prove it. But if I'm speaking the truth, why are you beating me? Then Annas bound Jesus and sent him to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire warming himself, they asked him again, you're not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, no, I am not. But one of his household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? And again, Peter denied it. And immediately, a rooster crowed. Jesus is walking into his final moments of freedom. We see him walking into the garden. And everything plays out exactly the way Jesus had said that it would play out. The betrayal, the denial, the arrest, and the trial. So the question is this, and it's a question we also always ask ourselves. What does this scene say about God? What does this scene say about us? And what are we going to do about it? The first thing that I want you to see that blows my mind is simply this. 
And it's not something that blows my mind when I think about the goodness of God, but it blows my mind that we see it playing out here. When Jesus walks up, he asks them the question, who are you looking for? The thing I want you to understand about God is this. Nothing surprises Jesus. I want you to hear that. Nothing surprises Jesus. John 18, 4 through 6 says, Jesus realized all that was going to happen to him. I want to read that again. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him, so he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for? Jesus knew who they were looking for. He was simply waiting for them to take the next step so that he could then, in kind, respond to the way that God wanted him to respond. Nothing surprises Jesus. I want to say that one more time. Nothing surprises Jesus. Nothing. In Psalm 139, 16, it says this. 139, 16 said, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book, and every moment was laid out before a single day has passed. Nothing surprises Jesus. Guys, listen. That should bring you an overwhelming peace. An overwhelming peace. If you don't recognize this by the end of the service, you'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you this. For me, God knew exactly what I needed to teach this week for my own self and the fire that happened. I needed to hear that nothing surprises Jesus. Let me tell you what I mean. In Revelation 13, it says that he planned salvation before the creation of the world. In Isaiah 44, 24, it says he knew you before you were born. And we just read Psalm 139, 16. He ordained the numbers of our days before one had been planned. In Matthew 10, 30, and this is easy for him to count this on me. He knows the exact numbers of the hairs on your head. In, one, in Psalm 139, it also says, He knows your thoughts before you say a thing. I want you to understand what occurred last week. What occurred last week was that we had homecoming here. And homecoming was here on a Friday night. And they had a homecoming dance afterwards. And at the same time, we had someone in the church that wanted to use the facility on Saturday afternoon. And oh, by the way... We had a, we wanted to crown the grand champion of Chile for 2023 and 2024. Congratulations, Mr. Hobby. The thing that happened, though, was on Thursday, flippantly, y'all, flippantly, I walked into the kitchen and I thought, wait a minute. I don't want our cleaner to be here at 1 or 2 in the morning cleaning up after homecoming. And I looked at her and said, hey, why don't you just come in tomorrow, I mean, a th a Friday, Saturday morning and clean? Why don't, I'll be here as well setting up things. Why don't you, why don't you come in and, and clean? 
And she said, wow, that would be good for me. That way I wouldn't have to show up so late because I was playing. I said, no, just come in and clean. That's what happened. Nothing surprises Jesus. And they were here to look out a window and see the fire and call. It's, it's amazing to me. Um, <laughs> and Lynn can definitely verify this. This week, every worker, every adjuster, every fireman, every city official, every investigator, they all said the same thing. Boy, were you lucky. And I looked back at him, and Lynn did too, and said, it wasn't luck, my friend. It was God. It was God. He prevented this thing from going worse and worse and worse. I think that's what Romans 8.28 means, and you all have heard this verse when it says this. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything. Say everything again. Everything. Everything. To work together for the good of those. Here it is. Here's the caveat. There's a caveat here. For those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Everything. Now, you'll find out in a little bit, I'm a screw-up, okay? But I'm a screw-up that loves God. And I'm called to His purpose, and I want to walk that out. Everything. So how do we respond when bad things happen to us? The enemy would want us to internalize and blame ourselves. But God wants you to know that nothing surprises Him. Nothing. And He wants you not to turn inward because I'm going to be honest with you and I'm not going to be trying to be offensive to anybody, but you're just like me. When I go inward, that's just as screw up as the outward. Are you with me? He wants us to go upward. And He wants us to turn to Him because nothing surprises Jesus. Jeremiah 33.3 says this. It says, Call to me, and I will answer you. I will tell you marvelous and wondrous things that, you, here it is, that you could never figure out on your own. That's what the Message Bible says for Jeremiah 33.3. You call to me, and I'm going to teach you marvelous things that you could never figure out on your own. But that's not the only thing that nothing surprises Jesus. I want you to know something else. There is power in Jesus' words. Look at John 18, 5 and 6. Did you catch that? Jesus the Nazarene said, I am He. And in most translations, He says, I am. Meaning He is God. I am He, Jesus said. And then you go on, it says, as Jesus said this, they drew back and they fell to the ground. The power of Jesus' words knocked them over. And it wasn't in a fake, charismatic, knock-over way where Benny Hinn swings his jacket. It was legit. His words that he spoke literally knocked them over. Why? Why does Jesus' words have power? I'm glad you asked. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except what was through Him. And the Word gave life to everything that was created. And then I'm like, well, is, is that really true? Are you sure that says that? Oh, yes, it does say it. Because if you go to Genesis back here, if you go to Genesis, and I'm, I'm going to look this up, and I did not give them this scripture, but if you go to Genesis and you start reading, and it says this, it says that it, 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 when, you, when you start reading, it says it was formless and void. And then it says, then God said, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then it says, and God saw it was good. And then it says, and God said, boom. And there was day and night. And God said, and God said, and God said. And it goes over and over and over again. There is power. God's very word spoke. And I've told you this before. When you see that, just know that Jesus was a part of the creative process in the beginning. He was there. John 1, 1 confirms that, that nothing was created in all of creation except through Christ. Which is why when he says, I am, it knocked them over. Yet he still submitted to the cause that God had him. There's a trend today going around, and I want you to hear this. There's a trend today going around, especially in some mega churches. They don't want to dig into what the scriptures say. What they want to do is, is they want to do a four-part four series about topical things. And I'm not against, we're going to be doing some topical sermons in the spring. I'm not against topical sermons. But there's a trend going around where they want to decrease the value of this Word. They want to take away the power in this Word. There's only one problem with that. Let's look at 2 Timothy 3.16, what it says. All Scripture, not some, not here and there, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us. Are you with me? When you try and, listen, the only way, the only way that you can try and make this word say something that it doesn't say is to decrease the value of this word. But I want you to know something. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us. All of it. Why? Because Jesus is the Word. And the Word carries power. 2 Peter 1.21 says this. It says, Or form a human initiative. No, those prophets were moved. He's talking about the prophecy. They were moved by the Holy Spirit. And the words that we read in Isaiah and Ezekiel and Haggai and Micah, the words that we read, they spoke those words because Holy Spirit worked through them. And they were recorded down for us. A direct link from God to us sits before you if you have this. All Scripture is useful to correct. Can we go back to uh, 2 Timothy again though? Here's the problem. 
It corrects us when we are wrong. That's what we don't like. Because no one wants to come here and hear that you're wrong. We want to come and we want to hear that we're good enough and we're smart enough and doggone it, people like us. That's what we want to hear. That's what we want to hear. But the Scripture says, no, you were only good enough and smart enough and doggone it, people like you. They won't like you. Jesus said that in the last thing we talked about last week. He says this, the power is found within God and within you following Christ. It's not you following Oprah. Are you with me? Now listen, all truth is God's truth. And so what happens is they sprinkle in a little bit here and a little bit there. But the reality is, is Oprah is not going to speak and people are going to fall down. Dr. Phil is not going to speak and people are going to fall down. And I'm not being critical, but Andy Stanley's not going to speak and have people fall down. Louis Giglio is not going to speak and have people fall down. Joel Osteen's not going to speak and have people fall down. It's just not going to happen. Why? The power is found in the Word. And I, and I don't want to get off on a soapbox here, but I really believe that when we decided to Walmart churches, when we decided to try to Walmart churches and have, and have you know 2,000 people go and watch a video screen, whenever we decided to do that, we have, tr and, and listen, you're not going to hear the full truth. I read the other day a list of the most wealthy pastors. And two of those people live within a 50-mile radius of Atlanta. Listen, they're worth 40, 50, 60 million dollars. And what I know about money is that you don't want to give that up. And when you have people that are big donors, you want to hear they want to hear what you have to say, but you're not going to tell them hard truths. And when you're a national celebrity, you're not going to want to lose that status. Can I tell you something? I don't ever want to be a megachurch. I don't ever want to be a huge church. I don't. And I found something. I found that because I try my best to listen to God and teach the truth, and I know I've gone off on a soapbox. None of these were in my notes, by the way. I found that when I teach the truth directly from Scripture and I don't try to change it, I found that there's people that don't like that. And they leave. The Scripture says that in the end times that there will be a desire for people to hear what their itching ears want to hear. And that there will be people that will teach them what their itching ears want to hear. It's always interesting to me that I get so many people that call me when they're in crisis. And I'm like, man, of course I'll help you. I'll always help you, but I don't know you that well anymore because I'm not your pastor anymore. See, a pastor knows your name and knows your face. And that's what I always want to be. I recognize there's power in Jesus' words. And all it takes is one word, and everything changes. That's it. The final thing is this. And I, I want to address the Peter situation starting in 13, going all the way to the end. Peter said he would never deny Christ. He did. He said he would never deny Christ. 
hours before he said he would never deny Christ. Man, verse 27 of John 18 has to be the most depressing verse. Besides when Jesus Christ died, it has to be the most depressing verse. Man, let me ask y'all a question. How many of you have heard the rooster crow when you have screwed up? How many of you have heard that? For a long time in my life, I thought we had a pet chicken out back. (laughs) I was messing up so much. I was like, did Wendy buy a rooster? No, that was Holy Spirit. Cockle doodle doing. Guys, listen, I want you to know one thing, and I've said this to you before. You are not as strong as you think you are. And you are going to mess up. We have all failed. All of us have failed. Peter failed. I want to read from that respected, well-rounded theologian, Hannah Montana. She said, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has those days. And then for some reason, she said, one, two, three, four. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has those days. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Everybody gets that way. That's right. Everybody makes mistakes. Uh Uh-huh. Everybody has those days. Guys, listen. I want to tell you something. You and I are screw-ups with a perfect God. And the greatest place in your walk with God is to be fully reliant on Jesus Christ. Walking slightly behind Him, admitting your need for Him, allowing Him to lift you up, and watching as He weaves and threads together your life. Not because of what you've done, but because of what He's done, both through you and in you. And cling to 2 Corinthians 12. Let's look at what 2 Corinthians 12 says. 2 Corinthians verse 12. Do we have that? It says, every time He said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. The power of God, it says, can work through me. The power of God. My grace is all you need. So how does this work? You say, gosh, man, I've messed up so many times. How does this work? Let me tell you how it works. Here's how it works. Is you follow Christ, you start following Christ, you're, you're being discipled, you're in a small group, you're connected, you're here worshiping on Sunday, and you're connected with the body of Christ. You're serving in an area, and you're doing, and you mess up. And you go back to God and say, God, I messed up. And, and, and he, you admit that to Him. Holy Spirit begins to teach you. And you grow just a little bit. And He says, here's some grace. And then you do, and you continue, and then here's some grace. And here's some grace. And here's some grace. And here's some grace. And when you continually come back to Him in a genuine way and say, God, I don't want to cause harm or anything to anybody, here's some grace. Here's some grace. And you find out 
when you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, you've been following Christ for a long time, that suddenly you realize, wow, God has grown me from point A to point B, and I never even really knew it. But I could tell my life was changing because I trusted Him and believed in the power of His Word. Guys, when you are weak, He is strong. Nothing, nothing surprises Jesus. There is power in His Word, and we have all failed. But thank the Lord Jesus Christ, we cling to Him. For when we are weak, He is strong. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for the people that are here. I want to thank you for what you do in our lives. I want to thank you that you are mighty. I want to thank you that you are. God, I'm so thankful for the grace that you give us all. Thank you so much for that grace and that mercy. Lord, I do ask that you continue to lead us and guide us and direct us and that you show yourself to us. And Lord, as you do, and as you change our lives, we won't take any credit for it. Lord, we'll give you the glory and the honor and the praise. And when people ask, man, what was the difference? Just like they did this week when they said, man, you were lucky. We said, no, we weren't lucky, my friend. God was on our side. And he taught us and he guided us. We'll give you that glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing a final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.